Back when I used to work in corporate America, I would keep an Evernote of all the things that I would do if I ran my own company, like have unlimited vacation, liberal work from home policy, no middle managers, and a bunch of other random shit. Then once Gooder got above seven people, I had to put my money where my mouth is. I love my job, and I haven't felt like I've gone to work in years, but this is my company. And so the obstacle became, how do we create that feeling for everyone else at Gooder? That's why we created AMP. AMP is our performance and pay raise system. At its core, it's all about clarity. The purpose of it is to promote growth, give consistent feedback, evaluate performance, and determine everyone's raises at Gooder so that they know their value, are in control of their own path, are challenged to grow, and leave the world a better place than they found it. And the result has been more than we could have ever dreamed. We have a flat reporting structure that rewards people that show up day in and day out. We celebrate process over results. Everyone gets paid to volunteer, has unlimited vacation, gets a quarterly review, and a yearly raise. And before COVID ever existed, we had a super liberal work-from-home policy. It's time to get amped. Let's talk about it. This is Culture Gooder with Sean Tinney and Stephen Lease. Oh, uh, yeah, I can bring it down a notch. Mm-hmm. So today we're covering AMP, our system for empowering everyone with autonomy in their roles, mastery of important skills, and the opportunity to connect with their purpose on a larger scale. Stephen, can you take us through the origin story behind AMP? I've never worked anywhere where there was a really good performance and pay raise system working with big companies, you might get a review once a year or once every four years. And it was pretty surface level what they talk about. Oh, yeah, totally. And super recent, too. You get in a review and like they remember something from two weeks ago, but not the whole year. We do it quarterly. We can barely remember everything in the quarter. So bad experiences. Also, the pressure I put on myself to be like, hey, when you run your own company, you have the power to design things your way. I love challenging status quo and I'm the king of I could do something better. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can't. This time I think I could. Ben and I started talking about this in 2017. We'd read the book Drive and really were like, hey, we need to create a performance and review system. What does that look like? And for those of you who don't know, Daniel Pink's book Drive is amazing. Daniel Pink has a ton of research on what actually motivates people in the workplace. And there's three distinct things that are called out in this book. Autonomy, so people's ability to direct their own life. Mastery, some people getting better at something that matters. And purpose, leaving the world a better place than you found it. And so we really looked at that. So AMP, Autonomy, Mastery, Purpose. And we said, hey, why don't we take all of this information, all of this research, and create our own performance review and pay rate system based on all this stuff. Instead of doing what corporate America tells you to do, like, you know what, let's just build one from the ground up. So we created the system. We really wanted no middle managers. And it's been awesome. We don't have middle managers. We have a really high revenue per employee. And everybody has extreme clarity. And it just really started from this idea of we can do better than what's been out there. And it's kind of similar to Dare to Lead, right? Brene Brown's done a ton of research on all this stuff. Why would we try to do something on our own without any basis in research or science or anything like that? And when you read the book Drive, you kind of get smacked in the face and a lot of myths. Money does not actually motivate people. As long as people are paid a fair wage, it does not motivate people. You can think it does. It does not. Right. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. The amount of work that goes into Daniel Pink has an amazing TED Talk and several books. You're like, all right, cool. I'm going to thank you for doing all the work. Now let's mold this for us. So one thing we focus on a ton is creating autonomy for everyone. Obviously, that comes from drive, but I also assume it comes from some kind of deep-seated hatred for micromanagers. Am I off base there? 
a seven hates being told what to do. So, you know, that's just right. <laughs> in my bones. And I don't want to micromanage people either. So it's both sides. I don't want to be micromanaged. I don't want to micromanage people. I love doing work. I don't want to tell people what to do. I actually like doing stuff myself. All right, well, I don't like to be micromanaged. I don't like to micromanage. So how do we create something that kind of hinges on two things? Ownership that allows people to take ownership of what they do. And then this idea of knowing your own value, the behind the curtains of autonomy, and we'll talk about autonomy projects that everybody has, is everyone at Gooder has a bunch of autonomy projects. And the purpose of them is to prove to yourself and to the entire company that you're crushing your role. Think about that. It's this idea of if you are proving to everyone consistently and showing the work, there's no space to be micromanaged. And that's a really, really important thing to hold at the forefront of autonomy is how are you showing the work as well as doing it. And that's one of the keys to working remotely, right? You know that everyone knows how to show that they're getting their job done. So you never feel like you need to check in on what they're doing. Before COVID, you only had to be in the offices Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that was just for kind of team building. We have a weekly staff meeting. A lot of people share there, like the CS team, they share, hey, last week we had this many tickets. Here's our average response time. Here's our customer satisfaction rating. The DC team, hey, we've shipped this many packages. Here's how many are past two days shipped. Everybody's kind of sharing this stuff in real time. And when that happens, the CS, DC numbers, they share weekly. If those things are lining up what we agreed to, it leaves my memory. I stop thinking about it because they've showed it. What does autonomy actually mean at Gooder? Does that mean anybody can do whatever they want? This is the never-ending battle of, oh, wait, I thought I had autonomy. It's like, well, listen here. So autonomy at Gooder is you can do things when you want, where you want, how you want, not what you want. Your role is your boss. Everybody has a really defined role. It's like numerous pages. Your role is your boss. So if you are doing everything that we agreed upon that's your role, then you can do it when, where, and how, but not the what. Yeah, Nicole's just wrapping up a really long project of, of really diving in deeply and defining everyone's roles and areas of focus. And I feel like that is the key to unlocking autonomy is that level of clarity. Yeah, and what's really important about the roles is it calls out what you should be doing and also what you shouldn't be doing. Nicole's kind of talked to me about some like duplicates where people are like, this person says they're doing this, this, wait, who is really doing this? It's what you're doing and also what you're not doing. That's also a really important part of it. And like you always say, if more than one person's in charge of something, no one's in charge of that thing. So what does your autonomy project look like? Just for the listeners out there, when we talk about AMP, autonomy, mastery, purpose, there's projects and deliverables for each one of these things. So in our quarterly review system, people are stepping up and they're like, all right, so for autonomy, here's what I got. For mastery, here's what I got. For purpose, here's what I got. And so this is all defined in your roles. I have three areas of focus as a CEO. I have chief multiplier, which is getting the best from the team. I have chief visionary, which is how do we grow and scale with ease and chief culture creator, which is cultivating the best culture ever. For each of those, I have goals and autonomy deliverables. And so I'll just talk about chief multiplier because it would bore everybody if I went too in depth. For those three things, for Chief Multiplier, I have real autonomy. So part of it is getting the best out of everybody. There's the company at large. There's the flock leaders, some deliverables. Our weekly staff meeting is mine. So making sure that goes off, that's a deliverable. So weekly TWC, the deck. I hold office hours every week. On a quarter, I need to have 10 staff meetings. I need to have eight office hours and I attend all AMP reviews. 
I also do a one-on-one with the flock leaders, minimum twice per quarter. I try and do it once per month. And then I have, over the course of a year, a compensation plan and a staffing approval. All those things are actual physical deliverables that I have for that one area of focus in my role for autonomy. So by the time you get into a review, you can say, hey, I feel like I earned an A here. And here's why, because we define exactly what each grade means tied to those deliverables and goals. Exactly. And we'll talk about this, but there's so much that goes on here. But in our quarterly review, everybody's a self-evaluation for autonomy. And then the committee evaluates them and self-evaluation for mastery. Committee evaluates, self-evaluation for purpose, committee, and then all those scores get rolled up and actually determine your raise at the end of the year. The key to this is you have to have outlined deliverables to share because otherwise people just do a bunch of shit. Think about your role and think about all the stuff you do and then think about how that's never defined anywhere. We define it and then we hold people accountable to deliver on it. Something I was thinking as you were talking us through that is we're actually planning ahead for the entire quarter. So that by the time you get to your review, you're saying, did I do what I agreed to do? If not, how did I shift it? It's actually quite forward looking, whereas most of the time reviews are backward looking. For getting the best out of everyone, this is a really big thing. So I'm sure we'll do an entire podcast on the book Multipliers. For those of you who haven't read it, Multipliers is an amazing book. It's all about how do you get the best out of everyone around you. It's easy for me to say my deliverable is to get the best out of everybody around me. That's not deliverable. How do you prove that? Well, at Gooder, we're not huge on like defining results, but process. Every flock leader, we have 12 of them, has a monthly dashboard that I created. I asked them to fill out. We do a monthly one-on-one. I work with them and coach them. I'm committing to the dashboard, the one-on-one, the coaching. That I can deliver on. And then from there, it's up to the flock leader. And so it's a really interesting way to think about, and Sean, I mean, maybe you talk about it. When people first come into it, I think people have a really hard time defining what a deliverable is. Yeah, even to the point of explaining, oh, it's got to be something you could hand off to someone else, either digitally or physically. It's a deck, it's a document, a link, a photo, something. It's a thing. Not even attend these meetings or something, even though that feels like a thing, that is more of a tactic on your way to some deliverable. Yeah, right. The DC ships tens of thousands of packages a month. That's not a deliverable, but creating a weekly dashboard that shows that is a deliverable. It does take a little while to get your mind around how the whole system kind of works, but once you get it, it's not so bad. It's a really important thing. It's you think about it in your personal life. I'm a good boyfriend. Okay, so go on. What are the deliverables that add up to that? If your partner says, hey, for you to be a good partner, we need to be going on three dates a month and doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, all right, those are defined things that we can achieve instead of just saying, I'm a good boyfriend or I want you to be a good boyfriend. And people get uncomfortable when I use that analogy. It's actually the right way to be thinking about all these things. You are good at your job if you do these things. A partner is just another role in your life like anything. And it's so easy to coast on that feeling that, oh, I'm doing my part even though that may be disconnected from reality. So this just closes that gap and forces us to look at it and go, how much of my part am I actually doing here? At Gooder, we love people to thrive and grow and show up day in and day out and fucking ball out. And so you don't just get away with doing one good thing for the year. That one good thing might last you that quarter and the next quarter it's cool. What else have you done? <laughs> I know that comes off like I'm a prick, I'd say, right. but yeah. it's more a, we all show up day in and day out. Doing one great thing is awesome, but you got to do it again and you got to do it again and you got to do it again and you got to grow. And so it kind of stops people or hip checks people who think that they can do sign one big deal a year and skate the rest of the time. It also completely shifts the way we think about what it means to do good work. If there's a water cooler and your goal is 
is to just get through the day, get to five o'clock so you can punch out. You can go hang out, chat it up. The work expands to fill the time it's given. When that time belongs to you and you can decide how you want to spend it, why would you waste it just to get through the day? Because another one just starts up again. I completely agree. It is a really interesting thing that goes on in corporate America that we've done really hard to combat. We don't want people just to fill the time. We want people to love what they do. And if you don't love what you do, that's awesome. I'll help you get a job somewhere else. So at its core, autonomy is the ability to direct your own life. That's really really important for everyone to keep in mind. And it's something that we actually don't talk about right away in onboarding. We don't want to talk about it for the first three months. Yeah. I mean, we're already putting so much information in people's brains early. We're like, well, okay, we're just going to hold on to this one for a little bit. Anything else you want to cover there before we move on? I think, you know, just so everybody kind of understands how this rolls out is autonomy is... 80% of the role? Is that how we define it, Sean? Yeah. Autonomy is 80% of your role. Mastery is 10%. Purpose is 10%. So time should be allocated appropriately, right? So that's four hours a week on mastery, four hours a week on purpose, and the rest on autonomy. And so really holding that of autonomy isn't plus your role, it is your role. Autonomy is us defining together what you do, what are the deliverables, and then you going away and coloring any way you want as long as you color in the lines. That's what it's about. So I feel like we've got a pretty solid picture of autonomy there. Mastery is next up. What defines a good mastery project? The purpose of all mastery projects is to take on a project that excites you and that speaks to your role so that you can get better at something that actually matters. I have no interest in you getting better at something you're great at. If you are a great writer, you don't need to be honing that skill. In Drive, talk about people really have this thirst for growth and improvement. And so everyone has a mastery project every year That's its goal is for you to get a really sharp and a skill in some way, shape or form that speaks to your role. What are some examples of mastery projects that you've taken on over the years? So in 19, I did public speaking. My goal was to be better at public speaking. I was invited to more and more things and I really enjoy it. And so I set this goal. All right, set the intentions and carve the time. And it was deliver three 10-minute speeches a month to the team at Gooder, once a quarter, try and do one to over 100 people. And then once a year, that year, try and do one over 500 people. Carved out the time, made it the goal that everybody else at the team know. So they were trying to get me on things. I hired a coach, worked my ass off. Derek on our team got me to... Speak at Running USA is about 700 people. Worked my ass off. I crushed it. I got to go to South by Southwest and be on a panel with Inc. Magazine. From that, Inc. Magazine invited me to be on the main stage at their growth tour at their Chicago events. And then I got picked up for other things. That all came from a mastery project and carving out the time to really hone that skill. Mine have been working on growing at getting better at the Enneagram. And my deliverable for that was getting certified. Took a little longer than I wanted, but did it. And now I'm shifting toward a lot more in alignment with my autonomy, which has got a lot of one-on-one coaching in it, just growing as a coach, working to master something that is super important to my role. The thing that I always tell people is when you think about things you need to learn, what makes you the most uncomfortable, that might be what you should be doing. That must have been for you, public speaking, right? Especially to go from where you started to was like the couch to 5K of speaking, basically. Oh, for sure. I do this thing personally where once I'm signed up, once Derek got me in running USA to do a talk, I'm like, cool, well, now there's nothing in me that will let me step on that stage unprepared. And so it forced me to put in the time to get it to where it needed to be. That's a lot of what AMP's about. These are deliverables that are set forth 
every quarter, you know you're going to have to sit in a room and tell everybody what you did. Because of that, you get shit done. That's the little secret here of AMP is when you make people come in quarterly and talk about it, shit gets done. It's too easy to ignore it otherwise. I guess I didn't think of it that way. Obviously, it's a built-in accountability system. For sure. Now let's talk about Purpose Project. What is that all about? Purpose Project, at its core, is leaving the world a better place than you found it. The purpose of all purpose projects, that's a lot, is to take on a project that is bigger than yourself so that you can leave the world a better place than you found it. Autonomy is your role. Mastery needs to speak to your role. There's a lot more leeway on purpose projects. Some of them might be, a lot of people work with nonprofits. You get paid to volunteer at Gooder. I know that everybody wants to be impactful, right? And serve in some way. And so we created a purpose project as part of that. It's a gift. And I think some people think it's a chore. Some people work with animal shelters. Kelly worked with the Special Olympics and we ended up doing a partnership with them. We created a pair of recycled gooders to 1% for the planet. Really, it's this idea of how can you take on a project and use gooders resources and get paid to leave the world a better place than you found it. You said something in the last AMP reviews where purpose project feels like a chore until you find what clicks for you that you actually care about and you want to contribute to, and then it's a gift. It is. Purpose projects usually fall in one of two categories. It is people that are working with nonprofits and volunteering and doing things in that space. And the other space is people who are creating their art. And that was kind of a later add-on, but realizing leaving the world a better place, I believe personally that everybody should have an art. It doesn't have to be painting. It could be any number of things. But if you are putting your art consistently out into the world, that is also making the world a better place. A musician who wants to create can take this on, but still, you could probably speak to this better than anyone, Sean, there still struggles quarterly to produce this thing that they love. It is a gift. And you need to treat it as such. At Gooder, there's kind of no excuse to be like, oh, well, I really wish I had time for my art. Well, you do. You're just not taking advantage of it. On the art side of things, it's crazy, man. Everyone who makes something creative, it's like little baby bird. takes so much to want to get out of that nest and learn to fly. Like the feeling of risk involved in putting something out into the world that's close to your heart, it feels like the biggest risk ever because you can make something that you just sort of made it and you're like, oh, here's this thing that I made. If you don't care about it, I don't care about it either. If I put something, my heart and soul into something that it feels like it represents me or like my connection to creativity, and then I put that in the world and that gets rejected, that's like me getting rejected, the deepest part of me, right? The journey through resistance and fear there is real. It's a huge challenge. What's your uh, new purpose project, Sean? Well, I think we should say first, this whole podcast is both of our purpose projects. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that exists because we wanted to share our culture. Yeah. And the backstory for everyone is mine for this year was going to be how to share our culture with the outside world. It was kind of ambiguous. And Sean, I think you had a similar one. So we're like, all right, cool. We should do these together. There are quite a few people who do purpose projects together or master projects together. We started talking like, all right, well, what does this look like? And you're the one that bring up writing's hard. I think initially the whole idea is like, well, let's do a blog about it. And the reality is to motivate myself to write more than I do, it was a tough sell. And I think you had the idea like, well, we should do a podcast and think to myself, well, I love to talk and that I can motivate. That's where the whole origin of this came from. We got together, made a go to market plan. Here's how we do it. We just didn't wake up one day. We put tons of thought into this. What you hear today is Sean and I's purpose project. And it was to share Gooder's culture with the world so that others can learn and be inspired to do the same thing. And then Shelby writes the blogs a thousand times better than either of us would have. 100%. <laughs> yes. 
you know, this is a really good example of, I'm not sure this sees the light of day if we don't have purpose projects at Gooder. Absolutely. To circle back, I'm switching from this, which we're now sort of moving as a part of our autonomy because we're just doing it so consistently to creating my art, which is music. Over the past probably 20 years, I've been writing music and now it's time to actually record it. That is moving in toward the idea that the world would be at a better place if everyone was doing their thing, whatever that is. And so I am finally shifting to make the time to do the thing that I know that I should be doing. I love that. I think at our core, AMP's all about growing. And so anybody's ability to grow and move on is wonderful. Speaking of AMP in general, how has it evolved over time from when you first created it to this point now? Before there, can we talk about some other cool purpose projects? Yeah. Just because I think there's some really cool stuff worth sharing. I'd like to hear your response. I mean, two of the ones that I reference the most are from the art standpoint, Carrie, one of the co-founders, she runs our content team. So whatever you see a piece of content from Gooder, basically Carrie's team did it. She's also a actress and performer and writer and singer and dancer. So her purpose project is about sharing her art with the world and inspiring others. She creates videos. You can check her out at Carrie Blunt. I've heard from people at Gooder that she's inspired them to pursue their art. Nicki Minaj last summer did a contest for parody videos on her song uh, Megatron and Carrie's video of Nicki Minaj reposted it. I don't know what Nicki Minaj like 60 million followers. That doesn't happen unless our purpose projects. It was incredible like, oh, that's quite awe-inspiring. And then on the nonprofit side, Ali on our team Actually, do you want to talk anything about Carrie's you want to add on? Just that I'm constantly blown away and totally inspired by everything that she does. She seems like a nonstop creative production machine. When you see it, you're like, oh, I have no excuse. I'm making excuses. I have no excuse. That was the next thing I was going to say is like, I have everything I need to be doing any part of what I know I need to do. And she does like almost every part of it consistently. And that feels very inspiring for sure. No doubt. And then Ali's our flock leader for our sales team. And she started a nonprofit years ago before Gooder called Breaking Silence. Her purpose project every year has been related to Breaking Silence. We've done a pair of glasses that all the money goes back to her nonprofit. And the whole idea with Breaking Silence is to bring awareness to sexual assault and sexual violence, predominantly on college campuses. That's where it was created. She has an exhibit that goes around and it's really impactful. And the example I probably hold up more than anything of how these purpose projects could change the world is a couple years ago, the first time we did a pair of glasses with her, so we did a pair of breaking silence glasses. Somebody posted on Instagram, he like broke his silence and contributed Gooder's partnership with Breaking Silence, motivating him to talk about how he was sexually assaulted so that he could be a role model for his daughters. We always define wild success at Gooder. I'm like, this wasn't even on the fucking board of wild success. Those two are clear, but we have dozens of examples of things that are like changing the world. So let's talk about how AMP has evolved over time from beginning till now. What are the big milestones for change? Everybody in the company goes through quarterly review. They have their autonomy projects and deliverables. They have their mastery. They have their purpose. Sean and I are on the committees and there's their flock leader and a few other people. Every quarter is like, here's my autonomy. I feel I earned a A because X, Y, and Z. And then they self-evaluate then the committee evaluates them. If their self-evaluation is directly aligned with the committee, then those scores get added together and they get a self-awareness bonus. If they're not aligned, it's the committee score times two and move on. I know this is a lot to kind of comprehend, but the context is important. So at first it was a score one through five. One is you did nothing. Two is you basically did nothing. Three, you did what you said you were going to. Four is you did what you said you were going to at a really high level. And five is you inspired all. At first, we had these numbers, and 
people's brain would break. Three is a good number. A three is an A. Everybody thinks a three is like a D because that's 60%. First, we had that and we're like, well, we should change it from numbers to scores because everybody wants an A over a three. I mean, it's the exact same score. That was a shift we had. Also, we changed it because depending on the type of person, they might always give themselves fives. So we change it. The max you could score yourself as a three, but the committee can give you an extra credit or a flamingo. The, the big changes were going from numbers to letters, bringing in a committee and not letting people self-evaluate too high. Those are some of the big changes. What else am I missing here, Sean? One that's really funny. When we first switched to the grades, we had A, C, and F are the grades you could give yourself. People needed that B. They needed to be able to say, it's not an A, it's not a C, it's definitely a B. So we moved F from being worth one point to being worth zero. Because if you failed, that's a zero. It's a zero, it's not one. Same number score, different letter grade. Everybody feels better about it. Yeah, that's right. One big thing is when people self-evaluate, they earned an A. You don't give yourself shit. Nothing's given to you here. You earned it. And so it is a really interesting thing that we always talk about. Like, you earned an A. We feel you earned an A for these reasons. All these numbers, right? So if you earn an A, that's three. All the grades get mapped to a number. And then basically for each one point of AMP, it's 0.0008% of your pay raise for the next year. Every quarter you get evaluated and your raise is basically stacked up over the four quarters. And then the next year it's your raise. And most people get between six and 8% year over year. Whenever I explain it to people, I have this talk I'll roll through. I'll talk about the numbers side of it because the average raise last year, I believe, is 1.9% in America. That's not good. That's not really, really great. When you look at Gooder and what we do, if you get all Bs, you get a 5% raise. That's 74% above the average. If you get all As, you get 7.68%. That's 160% above the average. If you ever work for a company where you got a raise and you're like, how is this calculated? Your raise legit comes from your performance through the entire year. You could calculate it at any point what you're on track for. And inflation is the typical raise like, oh, we're just your cost of living, whatever. So we're way above that. We are way above that. And the average raise, pay raise was 2.9%, not 1.9. We are still head and shoulders over that. So we've talked about having quarterly reviews rather than annual reviews. And as you mentioned, you're in every single review. Why do you choose to participate in those like that? I didn't start being in every review until the beginning of this year, I think. Until then, I don't think I could have done it. It took us a couple of years to really figure this out and to put checkpoints in place. I felt like for the first year and a half, we were constantly dragging people down, being like, you think you are into four? Uh, that's a two. We got way better at giving feedback consistently throughout the quarters, making sure that all the flock leaders are doing it. I think this last quarter, out of 200 scores, I think one or two we had to take down last quarter. So I got to preface this because two years ago, I could have never done it because it was emotionally taxing. Now it's to a point where it's actually fun, where I want to do it. One is I want to understand what everybody's doing at Gooder. I just think that that's really important for me to have a sense of. Two, I give everybody feedback at the end. The overall majority of time, it is positive feedback. I'm there to just pump people up. And so I'm very aware of the value that that brings. And so for me, it's understanding what everybody's doing, also celebrating how fucking hard everyone at the company works. It's something I'm pretty serious about. I don't know, it takes about three days to do everybody. So There's a lot about that that's incredible. I think one of the most important things that we actually didn't touch on about the way that we shifted what we were doing because of AMP is that normally any kind of review is where you receive whatever feedback someone's been sitting on the entire time since your last review. 
Yeah. Our goal was to make there be no surprises in a review. And the way that we could tell if we're doing that is we're aligned on our scores, which means we need to be giving each other consistent feedback throughout the quarter so that there's never feedback that's only received in that review. And that, I think, unlocked that shift for you. So rather than sitting there and going in the ups and downs of, oh my God, we're, we're not aligned, it really does become a celebration of what that person accomplished that quarter. And so that's what you can participate in and help double down on. So just quickly, let's recap some of the key benefits to implementing AMP as a company. So before COVID, super liberal work from home policy, unlimited vacation. To do those things, you need to have a system in place where you know what's going on so that you don't have to micromanage people. So that's a huge benefit. People's ability to work remote, have a limited vacation, not be micromanaged. So that's one. Two is we don't have middle managers. We have flock leaders. We save quite a bit of money on staff, I believe, because of AMP and because of the work we put in here. We don't have to have these filler roles that just put their thumb on people. And so just the cost benefit analysis is huge. Our revenue per employee is really, really high. Three, and probably the most important is I haven't felt like I've gone to work in years. I believe for other people to feel that way, they need to love what they do day in and day out. And they don't need to laugh all day long like an idiot. Stuff isn't easy, but they need to really enjoy the work. To do that, you have to have something like AMP. Otherwise, people are just getting told what to do all the time. How about you? What do you think is the major benefit? Like you said, autonomy for all. The fact that we don't have micromanagers whose pure role is to make sure that other people are doing their job allows us to have legit raises because we're not wasting money on that salary. I think you've brought this up a number of different ways, but there's tons of time saved from commuting to fewer meetings. Time is given back to everyone and it allows us to work remotely with that time as well. For the listeners out there, this is all part of the bigger system, right? I mean, Slack ties into this where when something's not getting done, it's not talk behind somebody's back and gossip. It's on Slack being like, um, where is X? Because your role is to give X. It's the Slack. It's the no email. It's the no gossip. All this stuff weaves in together to create our culture. If this sounds like pretty cool, but a little bit out of reach, what would you recommend to someone who's listening right now? What's your goal as an employer? Our goal is to have everyone be fulfilled and love what they do. That's where AMP comes from. Ask what your goal is and then create your performance and pay system based off your answer. That's going to be the hardest thing. That's going to be like a really big gut check. If your goal is to have your team sell as much of everything as possible, then maybe you just go 100% commission based. Ask yourself what you want and then create the system based off that. That's the hard part. I know that's not a sexy answer. Most entrepreneurs and CEOs, they're just going to like roll their eyes at that. That's the reality of it. You have to define what your goal is as an employer and then create a system based off that. And then redrive, watch Daniel Pink's TED Talk, and then copy exactly what we did because we went through the fucking grinder to get us here to have it work as smooth as possible. The show notes for this episode are going to be very helpful. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. You ready for lightning round? Let's do it. All right. What's your current purpose project? So sharing Gooder's culture with the world. Next year, I'm toying with writing a book about Gooder because it scares me. So maybe that. What's your favorite purpose project that someone else has? Purpose, Carrie and Allie's, just because I cited them. Like those are two of my favorites. How much commute time you think you've saved by now? I'm a bad example because I live super close and I want to go in every day. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you in LA, the average commute is 56 minutes. Outside of COVID times, with our liberal work from home policy, you get 18 days back a year 
of your own time not having to commute. That's not Gooder's time. That is your time you get back. And this is all because of AMP. So how much do you think AMP has changed since we first implemented it percentage wise? Oh, I don't know. 25 standard deviation. A lot. (laughs) The bones are there, but there's been a lot of nuance. I would say the core has always been the same. The 80% that has been the rock. And then there's the 20% of the nuance we've changed. We're a pretty good place now. What's your favorite thing about our quarterly reviews? I mean, now it's that I just get to pump people up. Crafty and our teams said that, I don't know why I'm nervous because all you do is sit in there and just pump me up. I was like, yeah, because the hard conversations happen between the meetings, not at the meetings. So like, I love it. Like, I just get to go there and just make people feel great. I love that I'm able to sit there and like look every team member in the eye and give them positive feedback. It's really awesome. You think we'll ever get too big for you to be in all the reviews? I guess I kind of hope so because that means we're doing something really right. I think that the evolution would be at some point, instead of doing everybody every quarter is half every other quarter. I'll always do some version of everyone once a year, but sure, at some point it's going to be too big. Circle bar time. One thing you want to answer again or didn't get to bring up? I think just for our listeners out there, understanding there's so much nuance here. Understanding how much work goes into this and that it's not a perfect system either. There are holes in it. But really, we are fed such bullshit about how you should do things, I have air quotes, and your ability to take a step back and realize that's a broken system is really paramount. That's what we did. You don't have to follow us. You don't have to just keep doing what you've been doing. There's other ways to inspire people and to help them grow. Advice for anybody who wants to follow a similar path. What do you got? Really make sure this is important to you because it's a lot of work. Give yourself permission to fuck it up. And what I said before, ask yourself what your goal is as an employer and then make your system based off that. It's hard. It's really, really hard, but it's the most rewarding thing we've ever done. So be willing to commit if you want to see some change, huh? Yeah. And then any other next actions for people to follow? Watch anything's TED Talk. That's base level. Read Drive and then go to the show notes and copy what we did. All right. Well, thanks, Stephen. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to subscribe at gooder.com slash culture so you don't miss our bonus episodes and updates on next season's podcast. Until then, be excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review. That minute and a half of your time, it really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your dog, or maybe your dog isn't into this kind of thing, and that's fine too. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at culturegooder and Steven at Steven Lease. That's Steven with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team. The show is co-hosted and written by Sean Tinney and Steven Lease. Maya Morales does PR and promotion. Shelby Farrell handles all things digital. Emily Barber manages social. Teresa Garcia is our supervising editor, and the editor of this episode can be found on the blog. That sweet tune you're hearing right now was created by Mike Eddy of Cucumber Fuzz, recording by Barrett Bowman, and this voice you're listening to is Carrie Blunt. Many thanks to the entire team at Gooder, really, without whom there obviously would be nothing to podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. Until next time.